bit of a disclaimer to today's episode that everything I'm about to suggest cannot be done because of, well, self-inflicted circumstances. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning from Buffalo. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. The Penguins will be back to practice today in Cranberry, and they'll be back in action, prepared to blow another massive lead, apparently, tomorrow night at home against the Kraken. And it's the state of this team right now that there are so many things that are so wrong that it's hard to come up with even a reasonable ranking of those things. So I'm not going to try to do that. I'm not going to pretend that the one subject I'm bringing up today is the solve-all or the catch-all. It's not. It's not. But it is a thing. And the reason that I'm bringing it up today is that by every account, not least of which was Ron Hextall telling us this up here a couple nights ago, Teddy Bluger will be back in the lineup. Teddy belongs on this team's bottom six. I say that in the best way possible because I don't know that anyone else who's in the bottom six does. The thing that didn't make sense to me, the thing that might have made the least sense to me out of the many moves that Hextall and Brian Burke made over the summer was the failure to pick up more of those Mike Sullivan type of bottom six guys, meaning post-HBK, meaning don't worry about getting goals out of your third line. Don't worry about those guys being scorers. Get yourself a whole bunch of I'm going to drop a name on you guys who've been around this team for a while. Like a whole bunch of Brian Gibbons types. You know what I'm talking about now? Just guys that are just flying and buzzing all over the place, uh, raising hell without taking penalties, fighting for the puck, wearing the other team down so that when the top six guys step onto the rink, there's a little bit more freedom. There's a little bit more room. That's an approach that works within the Sullivan system. Putting Jeff Carter and Kasperi Kapanen on your third line, at least at this stage of Carter's career and at all stages of Kapanen's career, makes no sense. It makes no sense. It made no sense from the beginning. But what ended up happening was that Carter was signed to an extension at which point he just fell off a cliff. Maybe he'll rebound from it someday. He hasn't yet. So where are you going to put Carter? Um, let's see. How about the third line? Because he has a reputation, because he's been in a league for a while. Can't put him on a fourth line. Looks like an insult. We'll have him be on a third line. And oh, by the way, since uh, we don't really have you know center, let's have him play in the middle. And Dan Heinen's kind enough to come back for a song. One year, one million dollars. Hein is a guy that we can kind of store on the third line while, you know, hoping that Jason Zucker stays healthy and whatever else here. So we'll keep him there too. So that, there, there's your third line right there. 
That's how the third line was comprised. That was it. And the fourth line somehow is even more haphazard than that. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals for those in need. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. So your fourth line's got Teddy, again, when everybody's on board, and Ryan Paling then moves from center where he really doesn't belong because he's neither a center nor a penalty killer, I should add, although he's been getting a lot of PK time. And Brock McGinn, who's somebody's idea of something, not sure exactly what, not really a grinder, doesn't score enough for you to call him a scorer, doesn't do any of the whole, you know, hell-raising and everything that I was just describing, but he's here too, and we're stuck with that contract as well, so we'll put him on that fourth line, and let's, I got an idea, let's go out and get Josh Archibald, he's a scorer, he's a guaranteed double-digit goals guy for you, and if you put him there on that fourth line, he's going to get you, and you know what, so far, out of everyone I've mentioned, the only one that's really fit the bill, even his own bill, is Archibald. That's it. When what this team actually needed and what it still should do, but again, can't, is try different guys who are better than the guys they have who are already here. You can't convince me, not with a bazooka gun to my temple that Valtteri Pustinen couldn't come here and be a better, more productive, more conscientious player than Kapanen. You can't do that. I look at Pustinen and I see a guy who does have a skill set that translates to multiple different capacities, including being responsible, including producing points. He's got vision. He's got the ability to see uh, the rink and to react to it. He's got a nice shot. He's going to produce more points than Kapanen does, if only because almost everyone produces more points than Kapanen does. And I could probably make a similar case for guys like Philip Hollander, Drew O'Connor, Sam Poulin. If you had created a fourth line or a third line, whichever number you assign, it actually doesn't really even matter. If you had done that and said to everyone, to these kids in Wilkes-Barre, hey, we've got these open spots here. We needed to do this to make sure that we were healthy with the cap and everything else. You guys fight it out. We'll we'll make a quote-unquote Wilkes-Barre line out of you guys. Go for it. This is your chance to be in the NHL and to make an impact. They would have skated through walls. They would have skated through cement walls for these jobs. And you wouldn't have been wasting you know, $2 million on McGinn, $3 million on Kapanen, $3 million more on Carter. And you would have just had yourself the kind of line that would have helped this team or lines 
that would have helped this team become what Sullivan needs it to be, as opposed to just building a lineup based on dumb contracts. When we come back, J1Q. seriousness what seemed to change brad the answer that i'm going to offer to you it doesn't mean that i'm right but the one i've got is that i don't know that things changed all that much which is probably the most ominous answer i can give i did say including on this program that i felt like those first five games that the Penguins played when they had that 4-0-1 start that they ran into a lot of lousy goaltending. And if you go back over the names, you'll see that they faced some backups. They faced a Tampa team that was tired when they got to Pittsburgh. Um, That doesn't mean that they don't deserve credit for having won those. Heaven knows that's better than what's going on now. But it wasn't something where they looked super impressive. They did score a bunch of goals, but they never really got to their system. They never were defending well. And I did say that at the time, and I could go back and play the tape for you. So I'm not sure that much of anything changed other than the results. I look right now, and I just see a team that's gotten increasingly exposed in different areas. One of them, if you want me to pick one out, and again, this isn't a change. This has just gotten more visible. has been the defense of Jeff Petrie and or Brian Dumoulin. They're very different cases, but they're bringing about very similar results. Petrie, I haven't been around him long enough to get a good enough read to say that he doesn't look like he wants to be here, except that he doesn't look like he wants to be here. He sounds that way off the rink. His teammates definitely respect him. Uh, His teammates think that he's somebody who can bring a lot to them, but he hasn't. And a lot of the times on the ice, he looks borderline disinterested. And what does that mean, borderline disinterested? Well, it's not like it's lazy. It's more a matter of if a team gains the zone and there's a threatening situation, he doesn't seem to put himself into a body language that suggests urgency. He'll stay upright, and he'll, even once he gets the puck, have almost a casual appearance about him. Like, there's no way that I won't be able to make this play. And then he doesn't. So maybe this is a player who's just starting to get used to being a little older in the league. Maybe this is a player who isn't 
all that invested. I just don't know that yet. It will be worthwhile monitoring it and finding out. Dumoulin, of course, we don't have to wonder about his heart. We don't have to wonder where his head is. What we do have to worry about is the body. He just doesn't look like he's skating at an NHL level except for certain situations. And even that doesn't make sense because you're watching him at times and he'll make this terrific play and you'll go, oh yeah, hey, there's Dumo. That's the Dumo. I know. That's And then you'll see something situationally, especially in the defensive zone, where you'll go, whoa, no, man, no. You never used to do that. Not even in terms of decision-making, but again, physically. Physically, he just looks like something's off. And you know the way hockey is. Nobody's going to share that. He obviously ended last season in the playoffs on the shelf. He did some work to get healthy over the summer, but he... He's looked like this all through camp in the preseason and these first 10 games. So that didn't change either. So I'm doing a terrible job of answering your question, Brad. That's basically what I'm saying. I don't think anything's changed. I just think it's become more obvious. We'll see. We'll see how this goes. I know this. Tomorrow night's game is about as big as a game can get for having – you know, two-year-old franchise in town uh, on a, what is this, November, <laughs> early November, Saturday night. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll do another one of these on Monday. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.